Welcome to 12 Questions with Anna Valenzuela. Uh, this week we have Henry C. It's a fantastic interview. It goes down all these like little twists and turns of consciousness and sort of what questions bring up for people, which I really liked. Uh, if you want to see me uh, do the comedies, uh, I will be doing uh, Roast Battle versus Alex Duong this Tuesday at the World Famous Comedy Store. So come watch me do pretty much the opposite of this podcast. Just be super mean to people. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, let's see, I'll be at the Ice House on Thursday. That is September 1st at 9 p.m. The Comedy Palace in San Diego. Uh, September 2nd, the early and the late shows, which will be super fun. Come out for that. And then uh, the, the uh, you know, other things. Uh, <laughs> the Springbrock in uh, Van Nuys, uh, Flappers on the 15th, Springbrock's on the 7th. And uh, way next month, Barney's Beanery in Pasadena at 9 p.m., so anyway, and then that's on ten ten. I can't think today. I'm at work. Dogs are barking. Girls are talking. Everyone's sick. Just trying to get this done. Uh, yeah, let's do this. There's actually a filter that you can use in uh, the the audio program that I used to edit this called a uh, it's podcast voice. Wow. Or uh, I use radio announcer voice. Mm-hmm. So. You're listening to. You're listening 12 to questions 12 questions. <laughs> Twelve questions with Anna Valenzuela. Today I like it. We have our guest. You want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm uh, I'm Henry C. Yeah. Um, I was actually yeah I was thinking before you're coming over like whether I should about the anonymity thing like yeah. how much I want to because there's a few ways I could go about it. I mean, and everyone has a different sort of take on mm-hmm. it, but. Um, I feel like I can just identify as someone who's in a 12-step recovery mm-hmm. program who's sober. Yeah. Um, that I feel comfortable. And I, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I like that. Um, what are you, What's your personal take on it? Like, I know everyone, everyone has a different relationship with the notion of am- anonymity. Well, uh, it's really interesting putting this podcast out here because I'm not hiding the fact that I'm in recovery, yeah. but I never speak specifically mm-hmm. about what recovery program I'm in. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. I just talk about the the experience of being in recovery mm-hmm. and you know sometimes working in recovery or mm-hmm. you know no oh, did i just say working in recovery i'm gonna kill myself <laughs> it's working in treatment and then doing recovery like that <laughs> jesus christ i'm not gonna edit that out either i'm gonna, no, I'm gonna stay baller with that um <laughs> but uh it's just it's it's just that and mm-hmm. it's just it, the questions themselves aren't they're in line with the steps but they're not necessarily uh step related i think everybody can benefit from oh yeah the questions that we ask cool so awesome do you want to give a little backstory or just get right into the questions um i can give backstory uh how uh, are we talking uh recovery backstory uh, personal life who the fuck am i backstory Uh, anything you want okay um i'm uh i'm henry i'm a 26 year old gay comic uh born and raised in la uh i've been in recovery for seven years got sober pretty young uh, in college um and uh so i've had a an interesting experience of like learning how to be an adult um sober figuring that out making a lot of mistakes sober Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and uh and yeah, I'm uh, I'm grateful to be here. I mean, yeah, that's like my de facto so, when I don't know what else to say. It's I'm a, like so meeting ish. <laughs> so I'm grateful to be here. Grateful to be here. <laughs> but I am. I am. I actually have found myself saying that somewhat tongue in cheek on stage oh, when yeah. I do sets. But it's like it's a weird like way that I like. It's sort of it's sort of similar to saying like it's good to be here, you know, like anything that sort of grounds you in like being present. Yes. Saying mm-hmm. like, I, oh, you know, thanks, thanks so much. I'm grateful to be here, and then just jumping into my set. Um, but I don't know. It's it's kind of a weird thing to say at the beginning of a set. I'm grateful to be here. Well, what I did, I one of the better sets I've had. I was at this festival. It was the very first festival I ever did. I was so excited. And everybody else looked so worn out and weirded out by what was happening. And I was just like, like the first time you go to a convention, like I just had that twinkle in my eye and I run up 
and I hug the I hug one of the people running the room for like five minutes and I just kept saying I'm so grateful to do this I'm so mm-hmm. grateful to do this I'm so grateful mm-hmm. to do this and then we got on stage and I did my first joke and then I said guys I'm so excited to be here and then told him a story about like how excited I was because I realized I was so excited about that day I'd put my underwear on backwards <laughs> and didn't know it <laughs> until I was in the porta potty at this festival and there's no way I'm gonna make that change oh no this is no, how no. we live now yeah <laughs> this <laughs> like, is my life now. this is my life I'm, oh, I'm wow. a 34 year old woman with her underwear inside out Excellent. in downtown LA in a warehouse Beautiful. and that's where I was at and it it was so much fun and so when I do have those moments where I'm just like man I'm stoked I try to say it in my head before I go up a lot too because I do think yeah. that changes my energy to yeah. be like, yeah, you know what? I'm really grateful to be here and yeah. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Because it stops feeling like a point of gratitude yeah. or something that we should be excited about on yeah. the third or fourth mic and they're all progressively getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And well, and it's, I don't know. It's like, I feel like the confidence that I have accrued gradually over time, that's constantly being challenged, but the general comfort level that I walk into a mic now as opposed to when I was just starting out is somewhat tied to the normalization of like going up on stage and performing regularly. But I, I, so I think there's, I think there's a certain, there's a certain necessity to like, I don't know, not second guessing what you're doing when you're at a show, but then also, uh, and and that can help with confidence and comfort, but then also it's like, you want to bring, excitement and energy to the stage. I feel like a lot of the times on stage when I'm performing, it's like trying to juggle like comfort and confidence and then like energy. Yeah. You know, cause like, yeah. I feel like when I'm really confident on stage, I can delve into like really low energy. I don't know how much of this podcast we want it to gets, become a gets, comedy it podcast. Beca- it, it's, it's basically both at this point. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. If you are, I mean, I'm I down keep to talk interviewing about comics is my problem. And also a solution. I think <laughs> I think it's fun. I think it's fun. The first um, the first interview I did was with uh, Jack Grisham from TSOL. So that was Word. I was like, okay, I got my <laughs> I got my uh, my my musician mm-hmm. in. Uh, so if you're a musician and you want to do this podcast, uh, let me know. Uh, <laughs> but it's mostly been comics ever mm-hmm. since, which talk you know we end up talking a lot about comedy. But okay. uh, were it, you? Were you sober before you started being a comedian? Yes. How much time did you have when you started? Five years. Oh, a man after my own heart. Because <laughs> people I, look at me like I'm, they were like, "What did? You, is are you a Make a Wish kid? Like, why are you here? Like, why would you? Mm-hmm. Why what? Like, yeah, why, would, why you, would you choose to make this terrible life decision <laughs> <laughs> well into sobriety? Exactly. Yeah. They're like, well, usually what people do is they do comedy and then they develop yeah. a drug and alcohol dependency uh-huh. and then they end up getting sober and then they become like real estate agents right. or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that's in the cards for me. No, I don't know if I was. I'm cut out for that line of business. But I'm um, just not meant for indoors. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I I have a day job, but um, but I've been doing I've been doing comedy for like two and a half years now. I went. I've always been creative. I grew up in L.A. to like creative middle class very supportive if crazy parents um i studied classical music my whole childhood and then i got really into drugs and started experimenting with like visual art and creative writing and i went to art school and studied photography and creative writing um and then at the end of my freshman year of college hit a bottom and was like okay i I've been, uh, you know, living my life in a in an attempt to prove that I'm not going to end up like pretty much every member of my uh, family who's either in recovery or actively uh, an addict or alcoholic. And I just sort of, I've, I'm grateful that I sort of got the message when I did, because mm-hmm. up until the point that I sort of like. Um, came to terms with what was happening I was just I was convinced that I was going to show everyone that I could you know control and enjoy my drinking yeah um, but uh I'll them. but it was but it, but so I was always you know creative I was always like seeking you know um but it wasn't until I got sober that I discovered 
I mean, I'd always been a huge comedy nerd, always, um, but I, the thought of like doing it myself never even occurred to me, me until too. I got sober. Never. Mm-hmm. And like one of my biggest problems with like the art world as I was exploring it in college was like, uh, I was really into experimental stuff and performance art and stuff, but it was too fucking serious so often. Yeah. I mean, there's great comedic art, but more often than not, it's like way too serious. And and it, when I finally figured out like, oh, comedy, this is how I want to be communing with people and, and engaging with people. And it's fucking fun. It was like, oh, it all makes sense now. This is yeah. what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know? It's it's authentic in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, even though, even though it's totally not. not even though yeah. it's all about like manipulating people's minds into yeah. liking you and tricking them. <laughs> it's magic spells. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Have you ever read uh, David Sedaris' "Me Talk Pretty" one mm-hmm. day? You know the twelve the twelve step analogy with the performance art. You know it's been so long. Oh, it's so. But funny. I, yes, I vaguely remember it. Like it ends with him watching a naked obese woman push a tub of butter around right a, uh, <laughs> right yes i should go back and reread that I, I actually like listened on audiobook to a bunch of his uh more recent books uh more recently uh, but i should go back and listen to that because i haven't i read that when i was in high school so i haven't read that sober oh. um so that'd be interesting to revisit definitely how how do you experience surrender um, usually by uh, a lot of banging my head against a wall until I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> or I don't... I don't know. So Some things are easier to surrender than others. Some things I feel like I am, am, have surrendered and... and uh, at, accept my powerlessness over and then other things I try to hold on to but don't realize that I'm doing it so so much of I feel like my challenges in sobriety have been uh, have revolved around not realizing how unhappy I am about something or how much I'm clinging to something with Mm -hmm. my will until I you know, make a larger change and then I'm able to look back and be like, oh no, I was super cuckoo bananas pant, banana pants, loco crazy town. You know, yeah. like I was like f- trying to fucking fit a square peg in, into a circle, you know, for months about either a relationship or I don't know, some health or body image thing or fucking, I don't know, anything to fill the void. Definitely. I had to call. I spoke with a friend today, a guy who's been on the, the podcast before, mm-hmm. and uh, we were we were discussing uh, some drama around a show, and I was telling him that I it's the first time I've experienced that I lost my fucking mind. Mm-hmm. I just lost my mind, and mm-hmm. it was so funny because. I lost my mind, but I I was still in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it was like a being John Malkovich moment where I could yeah. like see myself being like, man, you're just you're yeah. just giving somebody you're your just, all your power uh-huh, right now, uh-huh. and you're just uh, just gonna claw your way <laughs> through this, aren't you? <laughs> yep, just yeah. can't. You could let it go. Oh, oh no, you don't want to let it go. Okay, cool. Call call two more people. Uh-huh. Call two more people about it. It'll be uh-huh. fine. It'll be crazy. Well, that's what that's what like my the sort of like last chunk of my drinking and using was like where it was like I just saw myself making consciously making mm-hmm. terrible decisions and being like oh well here we go like you know right. people say colloquially like um you know insanity is mm-hmm. doing the same thing over and expecting different results but for me it was like doing the same thing over and expecting the same results and doing it anyway yeah you know just because it, I was I was totally powerless and um, fucking enslaved by my my you know allergy and my obsessive thinking and um, it just yeah it's I've had that I've had that with with certain things in um, in sobriety but fortunately most of the time it doesn't get to the point where I where I see myself like making terrible decisions mm-hmm. i'm usually able to pause i think we we both are that's like one of the most yeah. important things we get to do in sobriety is like pause yeah when agitated but i've been there where you 
you know you see yourself i think we've been at mics and just looked looked at each other like at, <laughs> like where we're actively pausing together we're like <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. <laughs> what is happening right now <laughs> oh my god yeah or what yeah when you see someone have a meltdown on stage that always breaks my heart i've been there that's uh in a way i guess that's a sort of form of insanity that i've been through in sobriety like seeing myself just fucking lose it on stage and just yeah. dig my own grave when when a set starts or stops working you know right. or the audience turns on me or whatever but um but to to return to your question uh <laughs> what is surrender like for me or was it a question yeah. what is it like yeah. for me you covered um, it you could yeah i guess um yeah it's this it's this interesting uh sort of dichotomy of like there are certain things that I feel like so surrendered about without even trying, you know, and then other things that just tend to crop up. And why is that? Why is it like there's like one or two things that's that just stick in there? I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I have more amends to make that I don't even realize or more like (laughs) trauma to unearth or uh, more sort of um, character defects that I haven't articulated or really put a label on yet Hmm. um i don't know i don't know but there's definitely a few interesting what's been your most insane moment in and out of recovery uh in and out okay Mm -hmm. um insane moment insane moment in recovery and we're using insane in the negative uh, yeah sense um Hmm. I guess <clears throat> I guess I had a, a sort of insane moment recently if we're talking about that thing of like being John Malkovich watching ourselves just like dig our own grave. Mm-hmm. I um it's resolved in in a in a really good way, but uh talk about fear of financial insecurity. I've been uh my mom and I oh have these student loans that she co-signed when I went to school and um I we've been paying them back she's been contributing partially and I've been paying like two-thirds of it she's been paying a third doing what she can to help out and um because uh dad's not in the picture and uh you know it's it's tough I have massive student loans and um we've been trying to make it work but it's been hard for both of us and my mom has been um you know, try working really hard to be supportive. And, uh, unfortunately, like for her right now, she can't really help out. And, um, I, I had some, I had some like real fear of financial insecurity come up when she told me that she couldn't help out anymore with them. That wasn't even, I wasn't even mad at her. I just felt this general sense or of injustice that like, I'm, enslaved by the this massive student loan debt and it was like i guess it was i mean it is fucked up you know like Mm -hmm. the student loan debt crisis in this country is like very real but um i guess i just wasn't being um i wasn't surrendering and i wasn't um looking at it as like an opportunity for growth and um you know accountability like i just sort of panicked and got in a big fight with my mom where I said a lot of hurtful things um, that sort of made her feel bad for not being able to help out more and um, and really what was underneath it was like I just um, I just was uh, I was afraid I was afraid to take full responsibility for something that she'd been help, helping me with you know that she's always wanted to help me with and and it and the the conflict was really like she's a co she was a co-signer on the loans and i um she was at, at the end of this year or or something she could be taken off as a co-signer which is would be great for her uh because it will help with her credit mm-hmm. and um it just got it got to this point where i i was like i I realized not only do I have to start paying for all of the loans, but also like 
I have to take her off. It's the right thing to do. Um, she can't help. I know she could if she wanted to. And, um, and this is an opportunity not only to, um, like, you know, respect where she's at and, and, um, help her, you know, with her situation, um, and her obligations, but also just take full responsibility for this very adult obligation that I have. So I, I refinanced my loans. I took her off as a co-signer. Um, and that's, that's been a big step recently for me, but we had a huge sort of blowout and I, I said a lot of things I didn't mean. I think financially, uh, that's fear of financial insecurity has been a big mm-hmm. thing for me and has, um, I've gotten a lot better at like just looking, you know, straight on at like what my finances are and dealing with them and accepting where I'm at with them. But, uh, but I didn't really have a good blueprint. I, um, neither parent has ever really, uh, been particularly financially great or, or a role model and I and I have sort of had to figure out through trial and error what um, works for me and how right. to be accountable yeah I don't know that was a bit of a rant but no that I was perfect question super thoroughly mm. it's amazing how do you make decisions oh wait before we get to that I should probably answer the second half of your question ah. which was Outside of uh, Mm -hmm. sobriety. Um, No, go for it. Yes. um, Thank you. Outside of sobriety, I'd say the craziest thing I probably did was on a a family trip to Europe when I was 16, I, like, snuck out of my hotel room in Prague late at night one night to go cruising in this park in Prague. Like like an um, old man. Like an old man. <laughs> um, well, I was too young to go clubbing, but uh, I, w- I had like read in my mom's like timeout guide to Prague, like under the LGBT section, like there's a park that like is known for its cruising at night, blah, blah, blah. So I like <laughs> snuck out of my that hotel made room. The, <laughs> that made the publication. I love it. Oh go yeah. Prague. Oh yeah. Thanks timeout. Um, <laughs> I like traveled halfway across the city. I fit somehow, I mean, you know, addict that I was, I was nothing if not resourceful and scheming. Um, yes. And I made my way halfway across the city using like a trolley and a bus and a, and I got to the park and I like hooked up with this guy. And then he, without me realizing, he stole my burner, like mobile phone that we had gotten oh, no. for the trip for Europe. Um, as well as my money. So I had to walk all the way back to the hotel room. It took me like two hours to walk back. And when I finally got back to the hotel, um, my mom was in the lobby and was like, there you are, what the fuck? She had gone to, she had gotten a call from that phone that was stolen from me because it was the only pre-programmed number in the phone. The guy oh, who'd no. stolen it must have like accidentally called or called on purpose or I don't even know but uh, it woke her up at like 2 in the morning she went to my my room I wasn't in it so she went down to the desk the front desk of the hotel and was like have you seen this kid and the front desk receptionist was like yeah he he was here like a couple hours ago he asked how to get to this park at night and my mom who's in recovery and knows every scheming trick in the book smart smart Alec that she is like went back looked in her book looked up this park figured out that <laughs> that I had gone Whoa! there because and she knew when your I, I mom mean, is a boss oh yeah she, <laughs> that's I, I should I failed to mention that earlier she's been sober my whole life and she is in recovery and knows every trick in the book and I have never once in my history of drinking and using gotten away with anything my parents were the same way anything my parents were the exact same way and i didn't you know what i like denied it for years i was like no i i was gonna go there but then uh someone pickpocketed me on the bus and so and then i just got lost and 
now I'm here. And she was like, you went cruising in a park at night in a foreign country. What the hell were you thinking? I was out. I came out really young. I came out when I was 13. So the gay thing wasn't an issue. It was just like, what the fuck are you doing? It was be responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Which I definitely was not. Um, So that, yeah, that was a fun crazy thing that's really funny yeah speaking of how do i make decisions um to answer your next question uh i feel like there's this thing in in recovery where people i've heard people say a lot like your first thought is always wrong your first thought is always wrong and i heard that a lot especially in early recovery which maybe was helpful at the time because just in a more general sense it helped me grasp this notion that like maybe I don't need to listen to every thought that passes through my mind as Mm -hmm. gospel as like the truth or reality you know Mm -hmm. um but I feel like the longer I've been sober and the more I've just like created habits of applying the principles of the program to my my life um I don't I'm not as mistrustful of my first thought you know, like yeah. I find that I often actually make the right decision right, right. and do moral, morally appropriate things. Right. Um, so I, I feel like um, I feel like when I have to make a difficult decision, I will I will pray on it and I will you know ask my higher power to um, to show me what I'm what I'm supposed to do or mm-hmm. what I need to do. Um, and just trust that it will become clear what I'm supposed to do when the time is right. But a lot of times I don't need to pray on every decision, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. All right. I like that. How, what if you found out about yourself that you didn't, you didn't expect to find out? In sobriety, in recovery. Um, found out that I'm a comedian, (laughs) which was amazing. Me too. Um, I yeah. I so you became a comedian after twelve years. That's I, amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. It's insane, but fun. Yeah, I mean, I never. W- I don't think I would be a comedian if I hadn't. Right. You know. Yeah. I would have just remained lost and trying to figure out who I am and what I want to do and how I want to express myself. Did you find yourself more comfortable talking about your own experiences on stage first? As opposed to, you like, here's my thoughts about parking ladies. Right, observational. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I've also, I've always, and this was actually true when I was, you know, doing a lot of creative writing and, and art in college, too. I was always really drawn to, like, confessional type, mm-hmm. first person uh, mm-hmm. narrative writing and art and portraiture and photography and uh, sort of diaristic stuff. And um, I definitely, by the time I started doing stand-up, I had been sober for five years and you know gotten really used to being open and honest about who I am and what my experiences mm-hmm. are and um and and I think that really helped I think that I, th- I still think that's my favorite type of comedy is like you know a p- very personal um grounded sort of stuff um like maria bamford's my hero she's the reason i probably started doing stand-up um and she's a great example of someone who like is very open about her struggles with mental illness and and manages to be so funny about it but also destigmatizing and really profound and um and really makes a case for stand-up comedy as a as a true art form you know and uh so i love that type of comedy and I think um, I think also one of the one of the reasons I figured out that I wanted to do stand up too was um, my I re- I started to realize that like my favorite feeling was um, making a joke during a share in a meeting and getting a huge laugh yeah. from the whole and like that all I mean it still feels so we good, were you running know? bits for years yes, exactly <laughs> we just didn't know we it. didn't know it <laughs> yeah exactly oh exactly. my god it's so funny but um but yeah so that was that was sort of how I figured that out and figured that out about myself. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Well, because humor is the the cheat code to connection, and so that's what 
you hear you hear that a lot in meetings mm-hmm. you'll hear people or you'll hear people tell the absolute truth and not know that they're being very funny mm-hmm. and the room will just explode with yeah. laughter because yeah. they're just like oh that yeah me too yeah and that's how we express that connection mm-hmm. yeah well so. and i think i think you know people in recovery tend to be complicated people and are, tend to be people who are interested in understanding um their complications and 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 how complicated it is to just be a person and and i think inherent in that is like having to really you know dive in and look at the inherent sort of like ironies and contradictions of like being a person Mm -hmm. you know like that we all have needs um and we all have desires and um and sometimes it gets fuzzy what's a need and what's a desire and um and yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of ways that we're all just sort of bundles of contradictions and and wackiness. But uh, I think that's that's been a gift of recovery is like getting to sort of like understand about myself that I am complicated and being okay with that and celebrating that mm-hmm. even you know yeah definitely I don't know that's amazing. How honest do you feel like you are on the day to day? Um, well, I work in a corporate environment, so oh. not that honest. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, it's the worst. It's, you know what? It's actually, it's fine. Um, I don't feel like I'm, con- I, I don't feel like I have to be, uh, dishonest to a degree that like compromises my morals. But I, I think I was actually having a conversation with my boss about this the other day that like working in an environment like an office, everyone has to make adjustments and compromises to who they are you know Mm. and how they express that at work because we all want to be respectful of each other's differences and so uh i don't know there's there's i I, one thing that i love um that i heard early on in uh recovery that um that really helped me sort of build a foundation for um, being honest and expressing honesty uh is like does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? Does it need to be said right now by me? And that is... I needed to talk to you the other day. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I've, we've all been there yeah. where we definitely... The answer is no, and we've said something anyway. I've got something to say! I've got something to say! I used to, my version of that is, if the sentence is going to start with, look, bitch, I probably should walk out of the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good uh, rule of thumb. You're so conscientious and sensitive and I don't mean sensitive in a negative connotation like you seem to be very in touch with yourself and the world around you I I'd say one of if not my only skill is uh, <laughs> emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and and uh, s- some semblance of being uh, articulate yeah um, <laughs> I'm a bit of a savant uh, I actually the, there. I had a I had a conflict at work recently. I have a actually no. I probably shouldn't get into details, but <laughs> but basically, um, all one hundred and fifty listeners yes, will probably not arc on you. Yes, but like um, <laughs> uh, someone at work who um, was was incorrect and was was making false accusations. Basically, uh, um accused me of being inarticulate and uh, this is a type of person who um has a lot of issues one of which is just uh, the general notion that if they don't understand something it's your fault um so uh, really one of the most (laughs) difficult people i've ever um encountered but uh, i it's yeah i don't (laughs) The, no, no serenity. I always date, I date that person. Okay, That's what sure. I do. I, I invite that person in my life. And then we have long conversations that go like this. Here is my explanation. And they go, I don't understand. <laughs> and I go, okay, well, I'll explain it again. And they go, I still don't understand. Mm-hmm. And then I say, do you not understand or you do just not agree? Because <laughs> yeah. those are very mm-hmm. different concepts. Mm-hmm. You can understand and still not agree mm-hmm. with me. But right now I'm beginning to question your intelligence right, like as a right. life form. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's no serenity. There's no yeah. serenity. Uh, and you just have to like pray for people who are 
that trapped in their own point of view. You and it's know? very it's very rigid. Yeah, it's very rigid. And yeah. the reason I brought that up though is because this person, um, he uh, or she, <laughs> uh, <laughs> indeterminate uh, sexuality, yeah, yeah. annoying, annoying person. Mm-hmm. The they, the they. Yeah, annoying person is a gender. Um, <laughs> is a gender. <laughs> and uh, they they accuse me of being inarticulate and. It really fucking rattled me because it it like really brought up some anger for me um, and resentment because um, I know that that's not true. And if anything, that's like the one thing that I that I tend to uh, trust about myself and rely on myself for is like, well, I can in whatever situation I can at least like, you know, pause and and really think about how to communicate something and and really try to take into account how other people are feeling and when someone tells you you're not good at that and it's like oh i I, someone's Mm -hmm. accusing me of like having nothing basically of being a garbage person you know Mm -hmm. um so i had to like do some praying about that and like um let go of that fear and of inadequacy and um and anger and and fear of like I don't know loss of security but um it it resolved itself we resolved it but that came up for me I don't know how we got onto that tangent oh you were complimenting me about I I complimented you and then things came out Mm -hmm. that's I mean I I think for me my uh how I I really did so much to what you just said and I I, I think I can be very articulate and sensitive to others when I pause. Mm-hmm. And every other moment, I am a wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have to I have to really force that pause. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can imagine if you, anything we wrap our self-identity around, once it's criticized, it's mm. oh. too sensitive. Yeah. Just, no. Yeah. But it's interesting. I wonder if that person even I, I doubt they even knew that that's just how you saw yourself no oh had no idea yeah had no idea um and then and and that person also tends to treat everyone that way so i knew it wasn't really about me it's just that yeah. person it just seeped in for the first yeah, time yeah and then there's the frustration of how did this get in here mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah yeah, well, in a way, it's like a learning opportunity for me because it goes to show, like, even the things I know, I'm even the, like, types of intelligence that I know I possess because there are many that I do not. Um, but even <laughs> the types of things I know I, I'm adequate or good at uh, are not 100% reliable all the time. I'm always subject to uh, making mistakes and uh, misunderstanding things and... Um, having human flaws so i like i should never really rely on any one thing too much about myself i mean right all i know is that i know nothing right That's yeah sort of the takeaway uh, i'm sorry i'm not gonna sing a <laughs> song i almost did i almost said i stopped myself to spare you the pain well this is a safe space so <laughs> whatever you need to do be my guest what is uh okay so how do you deal with anxiety and fear um, I eat a lot of chocolate. Um, Just bought a pound of dark chocolate from Trader Joe's. Yes. <laughs> I was um, like, it's going to be that kind of week. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God, I, you know, I have plenty of vices. I, you know, I like sex. I like, um, I like junk food. I mean, I like good, I like healthy food too, but, um, I like being naughty when it comes to eating um i you know ideally the way i deal with anxiety um there are good ways that i deal with it and bad ways i deal with it the good ways which um i'd like to uh do as often as possible but just doesn't always end up that way i meditate i pray um i have this app called stop breathe and think Hmm. that um it's a free app it's like different guided meditations. It's a free app, but they have a 
uh, KD Lang expansion pack that you can buy. And let me tell you, I don't know if you've ever been guided through a meditation by the sultry tones of KD Lang's husky voice just telling you how to deal with anxiety or healing pain, but oh, it is glorious. You bought the expansion Hell yes, pack. I did. Oh, hell yes, I did. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's- She has the most soothing voice. It's... It's awesome. It's not even music. She's just talking. She's just talking. Oh, it's great. I actually, you know what? You know what I would do when I first started going to a lot of open mics is I would, um, I'd park my car outside. I would do this at the clubhouse a lot when I first moved back to LA. I would park my car outside the clubhouse and I would put on sunglasses because it was still daytime usually when I got there and then I so that I didn't look weird that I was sitting in my car with my eyes closed I'd put on the sunglasses and then I'd play um, a guided meditation about uh, around anxiety and just like let go of a lot of that stuff and uh, and then I'd feel so much more ready to you know get up there and Mm -hmm. and do that I don't I don't need to do that as much anymore with comedy because I feel a lot more comfortable on stage just through doing it a lot Mm -hmm. but um but yeah, meditation has helped me through some really intense character defects in uh, recovery. Like, date. Like, I, I was dating someone for a while, and um, and it was like it really it it was really intense and emotional. Um, the connection was just really strong, and it happened sort of all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And um, and but it was. It was just, it started moving really fast, and um, and this person um, started to, like, back away a bit, because it was just happening too fast, and um, they had, like, just moved to L.A., and were, like, in no place to be mm-hmm. getting into anything serious, and um, it brought up some really intense, um, like, fear of abandonment stuff for me, and I got to, like... I got to like meditate about it a lot and cry about I think some like deep seated like early imprinted fear of abandonment stuff that I don't know if I've ever gotten to like cry about or mm. just like feel yeah. through you know like intellectually I know like oh yeah like divorced parents and like you know sort of like inconsistent father figure and you know like just a lot of instances of like men letting me down in my life and then finally getting to sort of like address that and and like meditate about it and and cry about it was really really powerful yeah um like so just and so unexpected like you know there (laughs) i was i think of this one instance where i was like house sitting um for a friend not the friend that i'm currently house sitting (laughs) for but um but I was house-sitting for a friend, and I was just laying in their bed listening to this um, this healing pain-guided meditation, and the their dog, their, their big, adorable dog, just, like, came into bed and sat down next to me, and I just, uh, I just started weeping. And, uh, but it was, like, su- and I, it just came out of nowhere, and it was so, it was so good. <laughs> it was so good to um to see meditation like unlock some feelings in me that I hadn't dealt with and that's one of the things I love about meditation is I tend not to I tend not to feel things too intensely uh like I feel I I tend to intellectualize my feelings Mm -hmm. and for better or worse and um and especially in sobriety like oftentimes for the better I've been able to like not feel such like such a slave to my own sort of emotions but um there's there are certain things that come up that like I do feel like I need to work through my feelings around in order to move past them and meditation definitely helps with that nice nice what is the most surprising character defect you've encountered Surprising, um, God! I are any of them surprising? I so, feel like I, some of them are. Some like mm. I think I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you don't have it. Maybe you're aware. <laughs> I don't. They're probably yeah. They probably there are probably character defects that I haven't uncovered yet or discovered, 
or address yet that are surprising. I feel, but none are coming to. I mean, really, it's like the same, the same few things for me. It's like, it's like fear of financial insecurity, jealousy, uh, fear of inadequacy, fear of abandonment. Um, it's all fear. Yeah, it's all fear. Yeah. I mean, it's all fear, right? It's, it's yeah. like at the end of the day, it's all fear. Right. Um, but yeah, the. Those are the big ones for me. Just like a lot of inadequacy fears and mm-hmm. um, and yeah, insecurities around that. But I don't know. I think mm. those are the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, how, how do you experience forgiveness? Um, how do I experience forgiveness? Mm, often this is this is sort of an uh, this is sort of an area where talking about intellectualizing my feelings comes into play because I feel like a lot of times I will forgive someone intellectually, but there's still deep girl, you know, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. girl, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like I'll, I'll forgive them intellectually and I'll, I'll take whatever steps need to be taken or whatever actions or inactions need to be taken in order to like allow that, to take place the forgiveness um but sometimes stuff like just comes back up and it's like wait i thought i wasn't resentful this person anymore (laughs) i find that for me resentment is compounding so if Mm -hmm. i get if i have like one resentment against one person then it's that much easier to have another resentment towards another person mm. or to build mm-hmm. sort of snowballs. Yeah, and that's a good point. I, I've only discovered that after years of really, I'd worked the steps a couple times over, but I hadn't really forgiven. Mm. And I didn't really understand, I intellectually understood mm-hmm. forgiveness, but I didn't emotionally understand it. Mm. And there was a lot of like self run riot, a lot of, patterns and just stuff that just wouldn't I could not get off the merry-go-round and Mm -hmm. my sponsor had me do a forgiveness exercise just for my co-workers and I realized immediately oh I have to do this for everyone ever (laughs) and yeah so I did it for everyone ever like I went through all of my old four steps and I and I and I wrote about I I sought to release everyone Mm. and I did this simultaneously while doing some of the hardest therapy of my life Mm. it was like these two things came up at the same time you have to forgive but the the back end of that was you have to acknowledge what happened so you can know what to forgive in the first place and so it was it was and there was this fun moment because I I like comfort I like uh-huh, boyfriends sure, sure. I like you know I like I like a good hostage to my misery mm-hmm. and I walked in I looked at my my um my roommate I said do you know what the oh and she has twenty five years this you know the only thing that could make this worse right now is and she goes what and I go if I had a fucking boyfriend. I can barely emotionally take care of myself. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine then having to care about someone else's emotional reality right now. I just couldn't mm-hmm. do it. So my sponsor, I'm going through this time. My sponsor, this is when I started going to comedy mm-hmm. with my sponsor, actually. Oh, wow. I know. She's a gem. Um, we were Swansea sisters at the time. And then through moving shenanigans, I ended up moving in with our sponsor anyway. Long story. <laughs> uh, so... We started going to comedy together, and one day she she said, you know, um, she said two things. She goes, hey, you did everybody? I was like, yeah. She goes, cool. You too? Did you, did you do yours? Mm. And I was like, mm-hmm. so I did that. And she goes, you know, one day, honey, you're going to wake up, and you're going to, the sun's going to, like, the lights are going to be on. Like, the sun's going to be out. You're going to see it. And she was right. One day I woke up and there was just freedom mm. where freedom had never been. Mm. And um, and since then it's been like it hit a hard reset. But I just realized recently, oh my god, I gotta do that again. I gotta mm. I gotta sit down and write some letters, free mm. some people. Because once those once you get one of them little resentments stuck mm-hmm. in there, I just it's like cockroaches. I get like one, and then I'm like, ugh. I gotta yeah. get. But um, 
as huh. far as like an eighth and ninth step sort of an idea I don't know I just really went on a long story but no, when you said great. that I totally get it yeah it's <clears throat> completely yeah. it's easy to intellectualize forgiveness and very hard to feel it mm-hmm. yeah well often I feel like the, sometimes you can't feel forgiveness until you're put in a position where you have to make a choice mm-hmm. uh, to actively forgive someone or not like um, or to trust someone again or not or to um, be put in a position to be kind or generous you know um, that's that's when the the feeling of forgiveness comes into play and the true test of like forgiveness is when you have to deal with that person I feel like I don't know does that make sense at all yeah yeah when you treat them with kindness mm-hmm. in their everyday life and you, when when you make the decision when you make yeah. a decision to mm-hmm. that's yeah taking action what's the most Good difficult shit. amends you've had to make <sighs> In uh, probably the stuff with my mom around finances and just um, being a really difficult kid, causing a lot of um, a lot of duress. Um, my yeah, my biggest amends is probably to my family members, and it's really a living amends. It's. Um, yeah it's it's becoming an adult and not um leaving the people closest to me wondering like whether i'm gonna be able to survive and be a good person (laughs) i don't know i part of it is like i got sober very young and i didn't really cause a lot of um huge wreckage mm-hmm. to other people you know it's like yeah i lied and i cheated and i i stole and i made amends for those things to my friends and family but um but really my my bottom was like an emotional mm-hmm. bottom and a, and a feeling of like what have i done to myself i don't know who i am anymore and um i don't know so i i guess the biggest amends i've had to make is to my family and to myself to just like be become an adult who can take care of himself and like have his shit somewhat together yeah i don't know yeah it makes sense what's your daily routine um i don't really have one gosh i mean i'd like to i often like i mean pain is a great motivator and i feel like in a lot of ways um for a while now uh things have been pretty good in my life and so um i don't really have a daily routine Mm -hmm. i tend and you know it's not good but i tend to i tend to incorporate prayer and meditation and and um uh writing or or extra meeting attendance um at into my routine when there's something fucking with me you know mm-hmm. um gosh i don't know i mean i think the closest the closest thing i have to like a, a wellness or self-care routine would be um trying to exercise regularly because for me that's definitely a form of meditation um i like to go on long runs um and i try to do that regularly but um gosh i don't know my routine lately also has been pretty crazy because i recently i recently moved um and it's been great because i'm living a lot closer to a lot of the comedy stuff that Mm -hmm. i want to be doing but what that's meant for me is that i've really you know i have a full-time monday through friday nine to six day job and then since moving i've really dove in these past few months to just like pounding the pavement so hard going to shows and mics often multiple shows or mics every night and Mm -hmm. like it's it's been great it's been so great it's Mm -hmm. felt really good to like really feel like oh i'm part of this community now people like know who i am i know who people are i'm making friends i want to support them and vice versa and that's been really wonderful but i also i gotta say like this weekend is 
the first weekend in a few months where I've actually allowed myself to relax and just kind of like catch up on some TV, um, send some emails I've been meaning to send instead of like, okay, where am I going next? What am mm-hmm. I doing? Got to do this. Got to do this. Like I just sort of had a casual relaxing, like get some errands done and like sleep in sort of weekend. So I think I, I need, I'm going to need to find some equilibrium. Yeah. Um, and I'm working on it. I'm just but, now, when did you move here? Uh, I moved at the beginning of June. Okay. So I moved at the beginning of January. Oh, okay. And I just recently had a, like, I have to, I have to slow down a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, it would be like everybody, people go, wow, we see you everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, because I'm everywhere. (laughs) I am legion. That's what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, I recently just surrendered to the fact that I'm, I need sleep. I'm a human. Yes. And uh, I need to be able to do things during the day that are productive. And I can't do that if I'm staying up all night and sleeping all yep. day. And um, and I also need grown-up time. I need yeah. time with the uh, people in recovery with mm. some time. Mm-hmm. I need time when, you know, even with, I mean, we all just have today, but what else? I need like, like people in their late 20s, early 30s hangout times because mm-hmm. I... Um, I, I get I get worn out, man, and then I get really in my head, and I see a lot of like a beautiful twenty five year olds, and try to keep up with the Joneses, and end up looking like a weird sausage in public. <laughs> it's not, it's not good. Um, I recently had one of those moments. I I looked at these pictures from a show, and I was like, I texted two people. Why did not? Why didn't you tell me I looked horrible? <laughs> Uh, it's nice that my insecurity is now coming out into just wild, just wild confidence. Mm. No one, I've, I couldn't wear high-waisted pants when they were uh, when they were in style the first time. <laughs> well, what was I thinking? <laughs> and I was eight. I uh. couldn't rock them at eight. Mm. So, um, but it's just interesting, like how things can affect snowball and affect, and then you see things kind of out of sorts mm-hmm. in other areas of your life. Yeah. Well, it's a constant it's a constant juggling i feel like we get sober and then the fun it's sort of the funny thing is like oh right and now life for the rest of my life and now like life (laughs) great balance is the struggle balance is the greatest struggle of long-term recovery Mm -hmm. that's really what it is yeah it's the time to watch tv and Mm -hmm. eat cut and eat stone fruits Mm -hmm. yes on a hot summer day yeah yeah, absolutely. And well, and even within recovery, like the 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 like different factions of recovery, unity, service, and mm-hmm. and recovery, like those three things. Trying to find a balance within one's program between those three is a lifelong journey too. Oh, yeah. I feel like, like like you see those people who are identified only as service being, mm-hmm. like service robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. What is, um, what's your relationship with your higher power like? It's dope. Dope. Um, it's super dope. Um, hella dope. It's, it's good. I feel like I have an evolving relationship with a higher power. I definitely am of the, was of the agnostic type before um Mm -hmm. recovery and i feel sort of grateful in a way that when i got sober um i i didn't have any preconceived notions of god i wasn't raised with like a notion of god that was damaging like Mm -hmm. so many people are so when that part of recovery came up it was like okay yeah that's cool that wasn't an issue for me. I didn't struggle with right. God like some people struggle with God because I was like, okay, yeah, I can definitely get on board with like the notion that there's something bigger out there than me that's powerful that I can align myself with and be empowered by and um, be fulfilled by. And for me, that at different times in my recovery, that's been love, you know, the notion of love. That's been the notion of of uh, generosity and kindness. Um, it's been meetings themselves it's been um just the connected the way that you know we're all connected um the 
yeah it's all of that stuff and none of it you know it's yeah. really whatever i need whatever i need to like remind myself that i am not the center of the universe <laughs> you know yeah. but i i tend to i tend to really like just the notion of um of love and kindness and generosity as a sort of um force in the world that is greater and more powerful than me mm. yeah i like that it's cheesy but uh, no but lean into it mm-hmm. you've earned oh, it oh hell yeah yeah i'll lean in yeah what's your favorite way to be of service um making coffee no i'm just kidding no i no i wish um that would be what a simple way to feel fulfilled um (laughs) i i love sharing at meetings Mm -hmm. i love sharing my story sharing a message of hope um and i and i love i mean maybe this is ego based but i but i love hearing from other people that my story has helped them or that they appreciated it or they heard something they needed to hear because often I don't often I'm just like telling the truth I'm not just talking about what's happened to me in my life and how I've dealt with it and then to hear that that it like meant something to someone else is always surprising it's always like oh cool yeah that's that's just my life but I'm glad that it like it echoed with you, you know, and this obviously the same happens for me when, when I hear people, you know, sharing their story. Um, but it's, yeah, I love that part of, of recovery of, of communion of, um, you know, minds and hearts sort of opening up to each other and, and that stuff. Stuff and things. Mm-hmm. Stuff and things. Do you have anything else you want to say? Um, it's currently it's currently time it's currently august and um peaches and nectarines are in season right now i highly recommend that you go to your local farmer's market or organic supermarket they're so good right now um i don't know when this podcast is coming out but oh my gosh two weeks word yeah Yeah. run don't walk run to the stone fruit yeah run to the stone fruit (laughs) um and Thank you so much this for has having been me. Fantastic. Yeah. You're the best. Okay, bye. Yay. Bye.